If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Uh, as far as the Yannick situation goes, I, I think you'd have to talk to him. I, I'm very cautious of speaking for him. I know, uh, you know, he and I have been in contact the last couple of days, but um, I think that is uh, for him to discuss. And, uh, you know, he's earned the right to, uh, to he played his contract out and he's earned the right to do what's best for him and, and his family. So uh, I, I'm going to defer any uh, of his future questions to him and um, try to keep our conversations between he and I. That is Dave Caldwell, Jaguars general manager, and we are starting to piece together a little more information on the Yannick Ngakwe situation. You know me, I'm a sunshine and rainbows guy, even on a rainy, dreary day You're right shining now. Right through the Brent. Shining right through, man. Here in the Jacksonville, Florida area. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos on a Tuesday, been uh, full of college football talk. If you just jump it in and just getting out of work, it'd be safe, by the way, driving through all this rain. But uh, the Big Ten, Pac-12, canceled. Football season's in the fall. They have are going to explore doing it in the spring. That will be the idea. How, we won't know for a little bit, I don't think. ACC, SEC, Big 12 says play on, at least for now. We'll see where that ends up. And we'll get back to the college football talk in a moment. But believe it or not, we're on the verge of going to our first Jags practice, and we've hardly talked about the Jags You're not lying. the last couple of days. That's how big of a story this has been in college football. Uh, I also want to get to some of the young stars in sports, especially out on the West Coast, uh, coming up. But let's talk Jags for a minute. Yannick Ngakwe splits with his agent. That news comes out yesterday. Mm -hmm. Then Dave Caldwell, the Jags general manager, scheduled to talk today to the media and does so. And you just heard what he said. He's had some conversations with Yann. And it wasn't like I had a conversation. It was I had some conversations with Yann in the last couple of days. And he has played it like this ever since New Year's Eve when the announcement the Jags were coming back. Dave Caldwell said priority number one. He said we love him. He said, he said a little, give us a little more insight on how the Jags feel about Jan. Since then, when we're at the Combine, uh, actually I think even at Senior Bowl, but definitely the Combine, and other times Caldwell has talked around the draft and even up to now, he's deferred to Jan. He's like, I'm going to leave it up to Jan to take things public if he wants to talk about it, but we're not publicly going to talk about what's going on with Yannick Ngakwe. They've essentially given him his space in that regard uh they don't want to say anything to trigger <laughs> i think jan in in a sense yeah. and trying to do their best at least from their standpoint to repair anything that could be repaired and leave out that little sense of hope that maybe he does play in 2020 still and possibly even beyond everybody's had their views on this it's been the most talked about topic probably on our radio show <laughs> over the last year yeah in the last 24 hours learning that he split from his agent and now learning that they've had conversations, and that's it. That's what we know. That's Those are the two little nuggets of knowledge that we have. Do you feel any differently about Jan playing for the Jags in 2020 and signing that tag? Do I feel any differently? No, because at the end of the day, it's his decision. Now, I've been having it since yesterday where I talked about, well, he got rid of his agent. Obviously, the new agent coming in is going to try to talk him to play. Talk him into playing. So with that being said, I mean, you could feel a little different, but it comes down to Yannick Ngakwe's choice. And I think right now he's standing firm. So to me, him getting a new agent, 
does nothing for me, to tell you the truth. But here's where I actually come around on it a little bit and say, you know what? This could be a different Yannick Ngakwe coming forward. It's the fact that, and I'm not sure who initiated the conversation. I'm not sure if Dave Caldwell reached out, or I'm not sure if Yannick Ngakwe reached out. But the point is, there's communication happening. And by the sound of Dave Caldwell and that presser, there's more than just a, a, hey, how you doing? There have been talks a little bit. I like that. All right, I love communication. Now, what would that communication consists of? We aren't privy to that information, and that's okay. But my point is, the whole problem where this, the whole thing stemmed from in the beginning, and how we got here was the lack of communication. It was when there was supposedly a contract offered, and you know Yannick Ngakwe's camp felt like he was lowballed, and then the communication stopped. So I like the fact right now that people are talking. Talking can lead to different kind of things, but talking is a positive thing right now, especially in your Sunshine and Rainbows Club, Brent. I mean, if you're on that float right now, if you're in that parade, you're you're slamming those speakers and saying they're talking, they're talking, they're talking. Yeah, I, and I think I guess I just have a little bit of a feel now, like the and that's it, the communication, mm-hmm. the fact that there have been a couple conversations, what those could be like, no idea. Mm-hmm. Who started it? No idea. Uh, I think Dave Caldwell went on to say, and this is about all he offered, is he's calculating things, you know, mm-hmm. essentially, and working on things, and uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But he, he was asked, does this give you any hope that it will play? And he said he wouldn't really lead on that, yeah, I do think this gives us new hope. Nah, it was more... He's got things to work out. He's played his four years here. Yeah. It's up to him and his family and how he wants it to, to go along. But I'm telling you, been around Caldwell enough and listened to him in, in news conferences. Again, could this is totally me reading into it. So it's not even like this could be me reading into it. The fact that they've had conversations, almost the way Caldwell said it, I think there's now a little renewed hope that there's a chance Jan not only signs it, but then I think if I'm the organization, I'm saying, okay, if he signs it, that gives us more time to repair, renew, refresh, and potentially get a deal done. Remember, this is the only guy the Jags have to sign right away from a long-term standpoint uh, for the next couple of years. They don't have anybody that's going to command this kind of money. Yeah. Over the next couple yeah, of I mean, years. Even if Cam Robinson comes out and dominates, it's not going to be that much money compared to Yannick and You Gotham. wouldn't think so. I mean, yeah. I understand Laramie Tunsil at 18, but he's not going to go in that neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think he would have done enough by then to do that. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's further down the road. Mm-hmm. I just get the sense, and again, totally reading into it because that's all we have, mm-hmm. but the idea that they have had communications, maybe multiple communications, whether it was Caldwell who reached out and said, hey, we heard you're split with the agent. Where do you want to go from here? Or whether it was Jan who said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm splitting with my agent. I'm going to get a new agent. Uh, here's what I'm thinking. I want to at least open the door and let you and introduce you to him. I don't know how those things work. So maybe that's the way it went down. But the communication, I think, is a super positive sign for Jan getting on the field. And let me preface this, by the way. Part of the reason I think it's a good sign is because I already thought Yannick Ngakwe was going to sign the tender and be in anyway. Yeah. Like there's not a. There's not a, a big part of me that thinks he was actually going to sit out mm-hmm. because I don't think it's the prudent move to do. He's earned the opportunity to make a lot of money in this 2020 season. You go make a lot of money, whether you like it or not, whether you're happy or not. This is one you kind of suck up. And I understand he's a man of principle. I appreciate the heck out of that. I just 
believe at the end of the day, at some point, he was going to play this season under the tag. I think this opens the door up to maybe be a quicker and maybe more amicable relationship with the Jacksonville Jaguars, at least this year. Yeah, I mean, it obviously does, right? And, yeah, as far as being a man of principle, listen, regardless of what Yannick Ngakwe does, whether he chooses to sit out the entire season and stick by his word, or if he comes back and takes that $18 million and puts that in his bank account and then, you know, maybe next year rides off in the sunset and goes someplace else. From my perspective, and, you know, from obviously being a former player in those locker rooms, I think from his teammates' perspective, I don't think any of his teammates are looking at him a, a, a different way and say, oh, we decided to come back now. Wow, he went against his word. It's not like that at all, man. You know, so, like, that's to me, I mean, I understand right now he's trying to, and keep in mind, I mean, sitting out training camp, that's the move to do right now if you're Yannick Ngakwe. But I'm saying when he comes back, if he does choose to come back, I don't think it's going to be his peers saying, well, he shouldn't. I mean, I can't believe he went back in his word. Like, I'm not going to do that. I don't think any of his teammates would do that. But I want to touch on something you just said, though. You were talking about, and once again, this is, you know, the sunshine and rainbows talking more than anything. But if he was to come along, sign that tag, that's him playing ball now. That's him kind of dipping a toe in the pool and saying, you know what? Water's kind of warm. Maybe I'll hop back in. We'll see. But it's him making an effort. So then it begs the question, well, if he makes the effort, is there a chance, with the culture possibly changing now and everything like that, where going forward, he could be here for a long time? He, you could lock him up to that deal because, like you said, there's not a lot of guys right now that you have to lock up. But my question to you is, wasn't Chason essentially drafted because Yannick Ngakwe wasn't going to be here? So, like, how does that look from this, the organizational standpoint? And I understand you can never have too many pass rushers. I get that. But at the same time, you took a guy in the first round. If you take a guy in the first round, he's got to be your starter, man, going forward. I mean, that's just that's there's expectations to be that. And right now, you don't have the luxury of having a bona fide defense where it's like, ah, you can't afford to sit him a couple of years. No, man, he's got to play now. So if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, how does that look if you try to keep Yannick Ngakwe after you brought Chase on in? Yeah, uh, I get what you're saying. I don't know if it's as big a problem in 2020. What it would become an issue potentially is if you do reach a long-term deal down the road, yeah. and now you've got a potentially crowded room at a at a sometimes ego position uh, well, as well. Yeah, that's my point. It's like it, down the road. Yeah, stuff. yeah. I'm saying trying to get a long-term deal for Yannick Ngakwe. That's what I'm yeah. getting at. Well, I mean, listen, the organization had to protect themselves against the idea that Jan wasn't going to be there. Do yeah. I think that's the sole reason they picked Chase on? I don't think so. Uh, do I think it's part of it? They won't tell you, but yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was you can never have enough pass rushers. And you, you gave yourself an insurance clause if something went sour with Jan. And you give yourself an insurance clause even if he signs the tender and then goes and mm-hmm. walks or you trade him. So now you're pretty much set with some young guys at the pass rusher spot. How I feel about it, and I've said this since day one, is you could have something that nobody else has in the NFL if you try to find a way to keep all three of these guys. And you could have that for the next few years. Remember, what the Jags are trying to do is reset this thing in a hurry. They're not looking at 2025 or 24. They're looking at 2021 and 22. And if you could find a way, even on a short-term deal, to keep Jan, and you have Jan, Chason, and Josh Allen, I think that gives you a lot of flexibility, and you can flex your muscles at that position more than anybody potentially in the NFL. I think you know this better than me. Any good coach, coordinator, whatever, will find a way to get those guys on the field. 
Well, and then that comes down to the biggest point, where if you have Chase on, Josh on, Yannick Ngakwe for, you know, the future going forward, let's just say in a perfect world, right? Not saying it's going to happen, but in a perfect world, let's say that happens. Yeah, then to be fair, there is no more big defense event, all right? There, there, there's no more Clayus Campbell eating up, you know, 20% of those snaps. You have to find a way to get two smaller duos. Well, I don't say, I say smaller, look at Josh Allen. I say smaller, look at Chase on. But, like, you know what I'm talking about. You have to yeah. find a way to get two traditional defensive ends on the field at the same time, every single play, as opposed to having that big defensive end for, you know, those first and second downs. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, uh, the Jan narrative and conversation the last two days in these last 48 hours have been pretty interesting i, I think a positive sign towards something happening uh, but again i will i have to preface this with saying i, I thought all along he'd be in mm-hmm. so uh, whether do things do get repaired whether a new agent comes in and says hey man we're going to stick to this you've already put your foot in the ground we're going to stick to it i still think at some point he's coming in to play for 1.2 million a game (laughs) i think i think he's going to sign that thing and i think most people will advise him to do that as well maybe there's a reparation of this rep uh this relationship along the way let me ask you another uh thing or two uh real quick just a quick thought or two, because we'll get into this more, but I, I, I certainly put it in the title of our show today, and so I want to ask you. Fournette talked yesterday, kind of liked the mood he was in, kind of liked what he had to say, and I actually thought it was, I think this offense is moving away from Leonard Fournette in terms of being the featured guy. Sure. I think this is going to feature Gardner Minshew. That's what I think is going to feature. And I like the way he talked about the offense and getting everybody involved in his role in it instead of... What some players could do, be like, yeah, why am I not getting the ball more? Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that happens during the course of the year. Maybe he's going to get the ball plenty enough anyway mm-hmm. in the receiving game, in the running game. How much is he going to be featured as part of Jay Gruden's offense, do you think? Because we both believe the philosophical change is, is underway, where it will feature Minshew. Yeah. But how much can you still feature Fournette uh, in this offense? Listen, He's going to be featured, I think, obviously, for a second down. He's going to be the guy. It's play action. He's going to be the guy. But let's be honest here. You bring a guy in Chris Thompson, who's that receiving threat. So Leonard Fournette on third down, that could be few and far between now, right? So all of a sudden, Leonard Fournette isn't going to be the Jaguars leading receiver like he was last year. And you know what? If you're Leonard Fournette, that's okay. Because he had the lion's share of the receptions last year. He had, obviously, the lion's share of the carries. And what did that get him? It got him okay stats, but it wasn't like that groundbreaking season that he's desperately looking for. Let's be honest right now. Leonard Fournette is looking for a great season from a touchdown perspective, from a yards per carry perspective, because it's not so much about being here in the future, but it's about getting that paycheck maybe someplace else. So with that being said, I think spelling Leonard Fournette here and there with Chris Thompson is going to keep him fresher. I think featuring Leonard Fournette on those goal line situations will get him the touchdowns. And obviously a Jay Gruen offense where he spreads the ball around, he moves the ball around, and definitely a quarterback-friendly short pass game, which... You hope in the red zone it's going to look better than it did last year with John Filippo. I think Leonard Fournette's going to flourish. And I think he's going to obviously see a little decrease in playing time. But in doing so, it's going to help his stats out. Less can be more sometimes. Less can be more. Uh, how about this? What a world. What a turn. If in Jacksonville in 2020 in the fall, there is some happiness found from Leonard Fournette and Yannick Ngakwe at Jack's headquarters and on that field. That's something not many people predicted a few months ago, with yeah. everything going on with Ngakwe and Fournette, maybe out the door via a trade or something else. 
you know what? I mean, you speak it into existence, it might happen, but I couldn't imagine, bro. <laughs> I honestly couldn't imagine. I'm, I'm just trying to visualize right now that first screen pass that I see, hopefully week one against the Colts. I'm going to go parading in the streets celebrating because, my God, we saw a screen pass. It's going to be a beautiful but day. We will but see. Oh, I know, pass. but I'm just I'm, I'm bracing myself for it, man. I, I know wait. it's coming. I can't wait for the over-under on how many plays into the fir- the season we see a screen one, pass. One. It's going to be the first <laughs> play. Hey, 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 Jake Coon's coming in. First <laughs> play. Listen, this is going to be different. Screen pass. If you want to get me excited about the Jags, I don't know if I can want first pass, screen pass. It's going to be a screen pass. So this should know the backfield. Mark it down well, now. Okay, Lock now you're on to something. You liking that? That's a little you different. You liking that? I like that right. a little bit more. Hey, don't worry. Those goosebumps are going to go away. Yeah, I yeah. know. They, I've got them. Yeah. Uh, last uh, thought on, on the Jags. We're going to bring Stuart Weber in. He can jump in on this if he wants to. But, uh, again, because I put it in the title, I want to get to it. I'm just doing a much better job at teasing things and delivering. That's what we do here. Uh, Cam Robinson did talk today. Offensive line, you, you know, they feel good about it. We know everybody out there doesn't, you know, all that stuff. We've had those conversations. But Cam Robinson specifically, are you thinking you're going to get good Cam Robinson? Or are you scratching your head with the idea of him playing left tackle? I'm not scratching my head because I've seen him play left tackle before. Now, Richardson, maybe. Now, that's a different story because Richardson kind of, you know, played guard last year a little bit. He he had a couple reps of left tackle. Did okay. But I think of him more as a guard. So, yeah, Cam Robinson is a left tackle. I'm not scratching my head at that. What it comes down to, though, is how serious was that knee injury last year and how is he feeling? Right now, he's reported saying it's like night and day where he feels this much better going into the season. Okay, you know what? And, and, and I believe that because he did struggle last year a little bit. But let's be honest, Brent. In terms of importance of a season, talk about Leonard Fournette, that contract year, Cam Robinson, same thing. Okay? And to me, with Cam Robinson, you're coming off a disappointing season last year. I think the entire offensive line is... And you're at a position where, where you'll, you'll get exposed one way or another. It's not like Leonard Fournette where he has to get the carries. Yeah, yeah. He has to get the passes. He has to get the goal line touch. No. Listen, you're going to be playing some great defensive ends in the AFC South, and every single week they're going to bring it. And we're going to find out real quick, regardless of the plays that are going to be called, where you're at right now with that knee. Okay? So I think going forward, I think uh, I think Cam Robinson will be okay. I think he's going to make some leaps and bounds from last season. And I honestly think the left tackle position won't be a position of concern this year. In one sense, there's a lot of pressure on Cam Robinson because he's the question mark. Like, mm-hmm. people aren't questioning A.J. Can anymore as much as they're questioning Cam Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think. Uh, at least that's what I'm hearing. And there's, there's also a little less pressure on Cam Robinson to this point. Gardner Minshew re- takes that away from you. Gardner Minshew will save you at times. Nick Foles wasn't going to do that last year. You were going to be exposed if you didn't make a block. Well, that and also Jay Gruden as well. Because, I mean, listen, if it's anything anything like Washington, where it's a very quarterback-friendly offense, where the ball comes out quick, and keep in mind, he's talking about DJ Chark lining up in the slot. You put somebody in the slot when you want to give him the ball quickly. So I think we could see a lot of short passes, and obviously you do that. You keep Garner Minshew healthy, number one. But number two, you help out your left and right tackle. Plus, uh, offensive linemen like screen passes because they can just let the guy go. (laughs) (laughs) Makes their job a little easier. Uh, Stuart Weber with us. Here at Action Sports yeah. Jacks on ESPN 690. Let's go racing, Weber. Oh, I'm excited. Daytona Road Course. We might see. Isn't it the, uh, it's the bowling? Two, the, go, go, the Go Bowling, bowling 235. 235. Which <laughs> combines another two of my favorite things in life. You know, racing and, and bowling. Wait, it's the Go Bowling 235? 
35, yeah. 235. Is, is it a website? I'm sorry, but you said go bowling. It's like the, yeah, I think gobowling.com might be the website, but it's the initiative okay. to get people to go bowling. You know? right. and, I, and I didn't know bowling was doing so good. I was sponsorship, man. Dang, hey, okay. Man. You know, diff- different people use NASCAR to, to pump up their products, sure. including the fine game of 10-pin bowling. Okay. What uh, What do you think about this, the road course? You're, you're going to head down there for us uh, on TV side. Should be pretty cool, right? I think it's a very creative solution to yet another COVID problem. You know, uh, the race was supposed to be at Watkins Glen this weekend, which is a road course in New York State. Mm-hmm. New York State said people from certain states need to quarantine for two weeks once they come in. One of those states was North Carolina at the time of this decision. And NASCAR is like, well, we're all from North Carolina, so we're just going to take the road course race we're going to move it to another track owned by the same people, the folks who own Daytona, own Watkins Glen. So there's, you know, NASCAR has done a lot of that shifting when it comes to track to track, mm-hmm. you know, for flexibility within COVID. And this will be the first time ever that we see Cup Series racing on the road course at Daytona. Now, we're familiar with the road course locally because we got the Rolex 24 every late January. That's what, you know, ramps up speed weeks. But these drivers, for the most part, haven't done this, especially in, in a Cup Series car. Um, not to mention it's a season where you have no practice and no qualifying to the point that NASCAR even said this week, no one can drive in the other series. So like where they normally go to the Xfinity series to get a little warm up and practice, the cup series drivers can't do that this week. No advantage because it would be an advantage over the guys who weren't doing that, uh, because there's no practice and none of them have ever driven on this road course. In fact, no one has ever driven on this road course because they added two extra turns, making it completely unique. Huh. They added an extra chicane, essentially a little slow down left turn, right turn once you're coming off turn four so that you're not going into the, the new turn one at an absurd speed, which these cars would attain and would make that turn even harder. They basically slowed them down they, based st- on the configuration. Yeah, the they're slowing them down on the largest, largest super speedway portion of the road course. Uh, that's the cool thing about this road course compared to maybe some other ones is that it uses two good chunks of the trioval that you normally see in a Daytona race. You know, from turn one all the way to three quarters down the backstretch, that's a straight shot. And then from turn three, and it used to be four to, you know, the start finish would be another long stretch. So they added that chicane to kind of slow things down. And by the way, road course racing, you get chicane. Yeah. You get chicane. I mean, it's one of the coolest words in sports. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So now they got two of them because they have one on the back stretch as well at Daytona. Cool. So you think it's going to be a big hit? Will be something that sticks? I'm curious. Now, because of the Rolex and everything else. So so here's an interesting sidebar to it. They were actually planning to do Cup Series racing on the road course in 2021. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Bush Clash that starts off speed weeks, that was moving to the road course next year before any of this happened. So they had already kind of had the wheels turning a little bit about, hey, let's, you know, we've got this great course. We're at the World Center of Racing. Let's give it a shot. And so they were going to do that in a non-points fun event to start the season because a lot of the times with that Bush Clash, you know, we'd always ask the question, did you learn anything for the 500? Now we don't have to ask that because now it's purely for fun, you know, purely a different car entirely from what you'll race for the 500. So they sped that process up. And by the way, this is like... Uh, part one of of a two-parter in August at Daytona. They'll go back to the regular racing. The normal summer race been pushed to the end of the regular season calendar, which is coming up in late August. So. Yes, yeah, so there's four four races left in the entire yeah. regular season for, for NASCAR. you got the road course race this week at Daytona. you got a doubleheader the following week at Dover. And then you've got the Coke Zero Sugar 400, the traditional summer race at Daytona, is now the last race of the regular season, which... 
can only mean one thing, and that's anarchy. <laughs> because you know that you get like you get that win, and you're automatically in the postseason. You you talk about some of these guys who don't have a win, who are nowhere near the picture of the playoffs. A guy like Ricky Stenhouse, who wrecks everyone, but wins at Daytona because he wrecks everyone. You know that guy could like steal a, no a play. Hold no hold barred. You could steal a playoff spot from one of these other guys who are battling right now. And really, if you look at the point standings right now. It's six guys fighting for three spots. About 13 of them are, are pretty well locked up. The 10 winners on the season, the Bush brothers and Eric Almirola, those 10 guys pretty well into the 13 guys into the postseason. There's about six spots left for guys like William Byron, who's the last bubble guy. Guys below the bubble, Eric Jones, who just got cut from his team, by the way. He's not coming back to Joe Gibbs Racing next year. He got filled in by uh, Christopher Bell, who's in the yeah. 95 this year. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, not in the picture right now. He's below the bubble. Which is crazy. It's crazy, but that's you know that's what happened last year. He didn't make the postseason, yeah. and this is the last time for him to do it. So if he wants to make it, he needs to either make up 30 points on William Byron and pass a guy in Eric Jones or win a race in these last four, which he hasn't had the speed to do so far this season. I think it's uh, wild in NASCAR because it's hard to break from tradition, although 2020 will be a year where they broke from a lot of tradition and a lot of different levels. Uh, but so Daytona Summer Race, which has become such a traditional race, people are like, oh, really? No, don't do that. But the excitement around that race is is twofold. What you just said, you could have somebody that's really not even in the mix go out and win that race because that's what happens at Daytona. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really don't know Who's, it's not going to be the best guys, and that's what happens a lot in racing now. I mean, you can kind of know, you know Hamlin this year. By the way, can, this can you year. name who won the summer race last year at Daytona? I'm putting you on the spot here. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think back to media day. <laughs> when we talked about who won. He wasn't there. Not a Cup Series driver. Justin Haley. Oh, jeez. Well, there we go. Thank you. Thank you for filling that in. Yeah, no I problem. Not it would have taken a little that. while. I was just proving a point here. But the point is, Has Eric anybody Jones won that before? Two yeah, Eric ago, Jones won a few years, years back. He did. Uh, and his future is unknown. We're in NASCAR silly season where all the contracts are up in the air. No one knows who's going to be in the 48 car next year. No one knows who's going to be in the 42 because it doesn't look like Matt Kenseth is a long-term solution for that one. Uh, just based on his performance this year, so easy, my boy Matt Kenseth. Well, by plus the way. he came out for yeah, auto retirement. Yeah, he I'm came. Kidding, in, now there's, I, I'm not holding anything against he's, him. He just hasn't performed. I'm just kidding. He's man. had he's no practice. Wisconsin. He's, Wisconsin he's had no practice. He's had no chance to get acclimated. He's just had to show up and race under the circumstances. You know, he's done better than the the 15 yeah. or so. Nobody's his at the bottom. His first race was the best race, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really was. He uh, won it. As wild as that so is. So here's the thing, Brent. Uh, I'm on GoBowling.com right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're still on this. Here we go. Oh, I'm, I'm all yeah. over it. Yeah. Good. How, I mean, if they can sponsor a, a NASCAR race, we can sponsor a NASCAR race. Because literally all this website is is you put in your zip code and they show you the nearest bowling alley. That's all it is. So let's go. Yeah, that's, what you, that's what you want if you're that organization, I Listen. guess, right? Maybe How are you making that much money? Look at this college website. Look at this MySpace page. There's <laughs> nothing special about it. So, if, so if, we t- if we start talking politics every show, we'll sponsor a NASCAR <laughs> race. Too. I was going to say that the ESPN 690-235 doesn't flow yeah. off the, you know the lips quite no, as well. Here's what we do. ESPN 690, we lock this website down right now. We get GoPlayDarts.com. Nearest dartboards around the area, or okay. maybe nearest pool tables around the By area. By the way, pool right. tables. not bad because it took us forever in Atlanta to find a place. Thank you very much. Pool tables and darts, lock in right now. Let's go. Might be my house. I just bought a pool table today, so I'm Can pretty I? excited about that. Wow. Yeah. What do you got? <laughs> Can I throw in cornhole? No. 
They probably already have one. Uh, go cornholing. Not, not gonna don't, 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 don't type that. Don't hey, type Brian, that in your hey, internet Brian. browser, kids. <laughs> you have a call from PR in a little bit here. Yeah, <laughs> let's start playing those cards, right, dude? No, I don't think you want to go there. All right, so go. So go Did bowling. Two thirty-five. Kids, listen to the show, bro. Come on. I, I thought we sponsored the, the trucks race this weekend. I don't know. Fun, fun fact, Scott Legacy going to be in the truck race. So we, we got our local guy to root for on Sunday in uh, part one of that doubleheader. And if you want to go root for him, you actually can because they're open to fans. Uh, both the races this weekend at Daytona for the road course, as well as obviously the summer race in a couple of weeks, the Coke Zero Sugar 400. I think they're doing 25% capacity, something like that, uh, to where, you know, the road course, you can find some interesting spots to go watch that race from, uh, which I always think is one of the coolest things about the 24 hours. Is all the different spots you can go from. So Stewart will be running for president of Daytona International <laughs> Speedway someday. I hope so, man. He knows his he stuff. He knows his stuff. Uh, good to Very have Stuart. Reversed. By the way, Stuart, uh, what time is okay for your neighbors now that you bought a new house to mow the lawn? Yeah, I was listening to this discussion earlier, and when when you mentioned nine something, I was like, whoop, too early. Because <laughs> for me, as you know, anything in a single digit is not going to work. You know, we we got to get to the double digits of 10 a.m. before. Before I'm open for business and available, uh, so yeah, I'd say I'd say ten is fair. Ten, ten is fair, but you know I'm I'm a different cat. Stuart, more know? importantly, Iowa State Cyclones or Iowa State Durachos? Hey, I'm all about the chose. Let's go chose, man. All He's the way. On board, man. Let's I go. I, by the way, I think you'd win that like yeah, ninety-five to five. Everyone, everyone's gonna go with that. Okay, cool. By the way, Scotty McKay said nine a.m. or ten a.m. in the Albany area. Buddy Scotty, uh, Ursula Mayhem. We were vacationing at Amelia Island all last week. Condo. Next door, decided to do a major renovation while we were there, ripping out cabinets, hammering saw and wood, commenced at 6.30 a.m. each morning. We brutal. complained, wow. so they generously bumped to 7. Her name's Ursula. Oh, brutal. On, on Twitter. Oh, I got you. Uh, That's yeah. brutal. 7. Even the bump to 7. It's nice that they waited. Have a little respect, everybody. Hey, Come on. We'll update you on college Decency. football and what you're missing out on the West Coast. Coming up next on ESPN 690. I mean, I remember Leonard running a wheel route, but I don't remember him catching the ball, so I'm not really sure what he's talking about. Um, he definitely has some wheels, uh, and I was in a disadvantageous situation, but uh, it did not get completed, I can tell you that. That is Joe Schobert, Jacksonville Jaguars free agent linebacker. Looking forward to seeing him play. Of course, that was on the heels of what Leonard Fournette said with that wheel route. Now, Leonard didn't share the fact that he didn't catch the ball. Schober did. <laughs> I love a little. I like that. A little trash talk back and forth yeah. via the microphone uh, and uh, in the news conference setting. Not bad. Uh, Gardner Minshew, by the way, we'll talk tomorrow. Jay Gruden as well. Jackson, make this feels like real football. It feels like camp. Yeah, you're getting players. Uh, there's a lot of different angles to go through, and then just so the folks know, I understand. I don't say this like, hey, get, we get to go when you can't. That's not how it will just. And by the way, I'm not sure how much I'm quite frankly looking forward to it either. Uh, well, it's going to look like an OTA, and it's going right? to be 150 degrees out. Yeah, that's true. But there is one caveat to that. I'm not going to be there tomorrow. I'm going to be there Friday. Okay. okay. And I'm here's, not. Here's what, I, here's what I need you to do tomorrow. Number one, you obviously have to pass the COVID test because I need you to get on, be on the field with the players, okay? So go and take a COVID test, pass it, show whoever you got to show, Tad, whoever's in charge of that whole thing, show them that you passed the test, get a tape measure, 
Okay, go on the field, stand Garner Minshew right next to LaVisca Chenault, and I want you to measure from the bottom of their shorts down to the bottom of their cleats. And we're going to see who has the shorter shorts. Because if you remember correctly, I called in one of my, I called three things. And the top thing that I called is that LaVisca Chenault is going to have shorter shorts this training camp than Garner Minshew. Well, that won't be awkward at all. No, not at all. Hey, this is hard-hitting stuff that the fans want to know, Brent. Okay. So I'm going to need you to do that. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll try to do it. Thank so you, man. We will be allowed out on the field tomorrow. Yes. And really from going forward. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, camp begins. This will feel a little bit more OTA-ish yeah. from what I understand over the next few days. But then next Monday, that next ramp-up phase starts in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think that will really start feeling like camp. Combine that with the access to the players we're getting uh, via the Zoom calls, the updates from Jay Gruden and Todd Wash and, and Doug Marone. Uh, it's starting to feel real, you know, yeah. and, and there have been no major hiccups just yet on the NFL side, at least that we know of. Uh, so things have seemingly gone uh, pretty smooth mm-hmm. so far. Again, people have been added to the list and the COVID-19 list. But Dave Caldwell even said it today. He said he, he's really comfortable with what they're doing. He thinks they're doing a great job of of doing what they're supposed to do, uh, following the protocols, and they're having success with it. So there's a lot of comfortability right now inside NFL buildings, I would assume, across the league. Yep, absolutely, man. And listen, obviously there's rules set up for what we can and cannot talk about. But what are some of the biggest things that you're looking forward to day one of training camp? What are you watching? Well, I want to see. Here's the deal with Minshew. Everybody keeps raving about it was uh, what Brendan Linder said. He's in hella shape. Hella shape. That's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even Dave Caldwell mentioned it today in terms of his fitness. Yeah. I don't know if we can see that, but we saw these videos about how he had put on some weight and and kind of the appropriate distribution of weight and try to be a little bit more durable. Well, is he moving like? He moved last year, too. Yeah. I mean, can we see that out on the field? I don't know. Listen, the biggest thing, I'm going to say Minshew right away because does he look sharp? Does he look like he's in command? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does he – It if he can't look in command under Jay Gruden's offense, well, then the whole offense is in trouble. Sure. So I go there first. My next one, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. I've said it multiple times here on the show. I think we are talking about a guy that we may – have never seen the skill set of in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the greatest player ever in Jacksonville. I did not say that. I said <laughs> we may have not seen a guy you could utilize in your offensive game plan like this. Well, I mean, w- would you make an argument for Shoelace, though, as they called Denard Robinson? No, because it was so unproven. Uh, well, Denard, I mean, we were in college, though. I mean, it was very intriguing. But, I know, but he wasn't like everything they were trying to make him into in the yeah. NFL. He was not that. In co- he was asked no, to do a lot of different. Yeah. So, I mean, from quarterback to to what you're asking him to do all these things, this offensive weapon, maybe the same idea. That's what I'm getting at. Like, the, the, let's be honest. The, the, there had to be some kind of hype for Denard Robinson his oh, rookie year in training camp. Tremendous, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm going to still stick with what I said. Do what you got to do. I will be. There were still more question marks about Denard because it looked like a luxury pick to begin with in the fifth round. It was a fifth round pick. And with that, it was like, okay, the expectation, we'll see where it goes. It looks kind of fun. And what I've always said, and maybe the biggest criticism is, could you afford that kind of pick at that point in their building process at the time? And I think the answer, well, turned out to be no. Uh, 
but my point being, this is a guy that's a very well-respected, accomplished, productive receiver. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to be in Jacksonville and waiting. Oh, when's he going to go behind center to play quarterback? That's not going to be like that. Mm-hmm. He's going to play wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, utilize him in different ways. Maybe throw him in the backfield from time to time. Uh, and and I also overthink. And I don't. I'm not trying to slate Denard Robinson. I think there's just the the thing that catches your attention with Lavisca Chenault when you hear people talk or you look at him uh, on college film. <laughs> like I watch a lot of it, mm-hmm. but is the toughness. Mm-hmm. Like that's what makes him different. Mm-hmm. Is the, the after the catch stuff. The I want to run you over from the wide receiver position. Squats five fifty, Brent. In case you didn't know, that's that's the thing that makes him that, that makes it feel a lot different than the Denard stuff to me. Okay. Denard was like almost like, hey, I'm gonna be like a video game guy, sure, and I want to run right by you and I'm gonna juke you. That's what I had in my mind. Yeah. I don't have that necessarily. This guy, I'm gonna run right over you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which is interesting because of that position. That's not really what you think of at that position. Yep. Uh, so, LaVisca Chenault uh, certainly will be the key. And then, hey, listen, I think one of the quietest guys of this offseason, still haven't heard from him. I don't know if he's purposely trying to be quiet. Miles Jack. What's Miles Jack look like? Mm-hmm. How comfortable is he? Do you notice a difference? Mm-hmm. Again, it's not like we're going to see him hit people. But the move, I mean, is he? are they going to capitalize on Miles Jack's athleticism? Is he going to live up to what they gave him contractually last year? I think uh, those are some of the things. Sure, you can do the C.J. Hendersons and everything else, but uh, those would be a couple of things right off the rip my eyes I think we'll go to mm-hmm. um, in the early stages of, of what's about to happen for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we'll be out there tomorrow, uh, and there will be some observations uh, tomorrow here on the show on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. All right, a couple other quick things. College football is a big story. Pac-12, Big Ten, Postpone football seasons, cancel football seasons, delay football seasons, whatever you want to say. They're not playing in the fall. They're not playing football in 2020. They'll say they're going to explore the spring. ACC, SEC, Big 12. Hey, we're going along with our plan here. Uh, they haven't got that far down the road yet. They haven't come to any decisions yet. What's the next move in college football? If we already know the Pac-12's done and the Big Ten's done, yeah. What's the next domino in all this? Is it another conference that says, okay, we're done too? Or mm. before we get there, do we start seeing this attempt of college players try to relocate? Do we see Ryan Day and Ohio State explore a new conference? Do we see Scott Frost in Nebraska say, we're going to try to find a way to play games anyway? Yeah. What is next in college football? And I don't know if we could be surprised by anything at this stage. Do, do we see The Rock break through those training rooms at different colleges and say, hey, I got a spot for you guys? Like, who knows what's going to happen now? Great question. What's the next domino here to fall? I think what I said echoes through every single Big Ten team and every single Pac-12 team in terms of players in those locker rooms. Where they know right now they're at a competitive disadvantage. They're at a disadvantage, obviously, for not playing football during the fall. And they're at a disadvantage of, you know, maybe their draft stock going down now because they can't showcase their their talents on the film. So I think right now what we're going to see at number one is obviously players trying to push the limits of what it means to be, um, you know, to try to transfer, basically. What do they call it? It's not the pro- uh, 
I said it before. The, what's the the term that everyone uses? It's the pool, not the pool, but the oh, portal. Portal. Thank you very much. Hello. So I think right now the the first thing is, is what constitutes a player to go on the portal or you know or not. How is the NCAA going to combat that? That's the first thing. Next thing is going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be coaches trying to break away from the Big Ten and Pac-12 and try to set up something where they can play. Obviously, goes against the university's wishes, and now you're going to have some back and forth with them. We'll see what that's going to be like. Probably bad optics, to say the least. And then third of all, it's going to come down to is the SEC, is the ACC, and is the Big 12 are they in this for the long haul? Regardless of if new information comes out, regardless of what their peers are doing, are they committed to this right now? Or are they going to feel pressure with their Big Ten counterparts and Pac-12 counterparts to say, you know what, man, we're out as well? It's been a heavy couple of days in college football with the Big Ten and, and Pac-12 rumors and then the finalization of those decisions today. I don't expect the, a big heavy day tomorrow, Thursday, Friday. I think this will take some time. I think there will be a little bit of, okay, now what? And obviously we're watching the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12. What will they do? Yeah. I think the SEC has been crystal clear. Greg Sagey said, hey. We're going to take our time with this. ACC says, hey, we're going to try to do this right now. Uh, we'll see about the Big 12. I do wonder the next shoe to drop will be, okay, Justin Fields, where's he going? What's he doing? How does he respond to this? Is it just an opt-out potentially and you make those decisions now? Or is it, I want to go play football somewhere, anywhere, on any planet <laughs> over the next few months, so find me a place. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the next uh, thing that drops, even before the decisions are made. Uh, potentially with the ACC, SEC, and uh, Big 12. All right, we didn't get to this topic. I'll save it for tomorrow because, well, I'm the master of teasing a topic and not getting to it. But here's my advice. Do a little homework for this topic. Stay up a little later. Watch the Padres and Dodgers at 940 for a few innings. Watch the Athletics and the Angels for a few innings. Okay. And watch the young talent and just the talent alone. There's a thing called West Coast bias, and it's real. Guilty of it at times. We all are because of our sleep schedules, most likely. But, man, if you're not watching Fernando Tatis Jr., And obviously, Mike Trout, you're doing it wrong. You're doing yourself a disservice. And by the way, there's a litany of other players out there for those teams that you're missing out on. We'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow uh, from a West Coast standpoint, but also a youth standpoint uh, that we didn't get to today. But that's your homework assignment. Watch a little big league ball tonight. You won't be disappointed if you're watching those games because of those players. We'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Thanks for hanging with us. And we'll have Jags practice for you on a Wednesday here on ESPN 690. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.